Good evening and Merry Christmas to you guys. I want to just open God's Word with you tonight as we conclude our series uh, that we've called Rest, which is about finding peace in the presence of Christ. And, and in this series, we've, we've said that, that the rest um, that God brings to us through giving us His Son and now giving us His Holy Spirit brings peace in the midst of the chaos. And we've looked at all kinds of ways that the Lord does that for us. But tonight, I'm eager to share with you about the life that we have in between the two advents of Jesus. The word advent is a a Latin word that means arrival. And uh, so as we look at the two arrivals of Jesus, um, where do we find ourselves? That's the the question that I wanna answer and ask uh, of us tonight because his presence changes everything about our hope and experience in this world. The first arrival of Jesus is known as his inaugurated kingdom, the arrival of the kingdom of God. And where Jesus returns, God's word says that his kingdom will be consummated, that it will be completed. So here's our big idea for tonight as we dig into this this, uh, this thought, that we risk missing the inaugurated benefits of the kingdom today when we expect its consummation now. Let me, let me read that one more time for us. It's a little bit heady, but, I, but I, I, I don't want to stray away from that language, that we actually risk missing the inaugurated benefits of the kingdom today, the things that God has brought to us with the arrival of Jesus, when we expect it to be complete now, when we expect the work to be finished now. In other words, God's kingdom is not finished yet. His work has started, and it's started in many of our hearts and in our lives, but it's not finished yet. He's still working and building his kingdom, and you and I are a part of that very process. Let me ask you this. Have you ever had the opportunity to be before really big mountains before? In the U.S., we have the Rocky Mountains in the West, right? Um, Have you ever had the opportunity to be before a mountain range before? I have, and I love it. Many of you guys know that Megan loves it, and she begs me to take her every year, and I usually try to, and it's great. Um, but this evening, I want you to think about a, the idea of a mountain range. When you're far away from a mountain range, all of the mountains look like they're in the same place, don't they? You can just kind of see the silhouette, and some of them look bigger than others, and, and sometimes it's deceiving which ones actually have the highest altitudes, right? But as you begin to drive through or, or hike through uh, these mountains, they look closer, and you look closer as you, as you go through them, um, you quickly realize that there are saddles and there are valleys between some of these mountains that are miles and miles and miles uh, apart from one another. Now, so let's envision the arrival of Jesus like a mountain range. The first arrival of Jesus is one mountain. The next uh, arrival of Jesus when he returns to us is like another mountain. Friends, if that's how we envision it, we are kind of in the valley between those two arrivals. And, and as, we, as we think about this, right now we live in that valley between the arrival and the return of Jesus. So we are looking back at the, at the first arrival of Jesus that unlocked spiritual life for us, and we're looking forward to the second coming of Jesus that will fully and finally deal with sin and all of its consequences in all of the world, not only spiritually, but physically. That's, that's what Jesus is going to come and do when he comes back the second time. 
So the, let's look at this. The arrival of Jesus is the inauguration of his kingdom. So I just want to look at the arrival, the return, and kind of where we're at now. Just, a, just kind of a real quick outline for where we're going. So when the Father sent Jesus for you, the scriptures tell us that Jesus had to be made exactly like us. We've been talking about that in this series. And he had to be made exactly like us so that he could conquer death and spiritually deliver us from evil, giving us hope in the presence of evil in this world, uh, and setting Jesus' kingdom in motion, delivering lost sinners from the bondage of sin that we've earned with our lives. Colossians uh, 1, 13 and 14 says it like this. The scriptures say, he, Jesus, has delivered us from the domain of darkness, and he's transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. So if you're a Christian today, even though you still live in this broken, fallen world, the, the most true thing about you is that you have been transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son. That's the most true thing about you. So Jesus came to give us the answer to the biggest question that all of us have. How do I get back to God? You might not think that that's the biggest question that you have in your life tonight, but it is the biggest question that we all have. How do I get back to God? We get back to God because Jesus has delivered us from the spiritual domain of darkness that has kept us held in bondage and shrouded in unbelief. Here's what Jesus has set us free to enjoy. This is a quote from Thomas Howard that I was reading this week. It says this, I'll read it slowly so you can take it in. The incarnation or the arrival of Jesus here to when he took on flesh took all that properly belongs to our humanity and delivered it back to us, redeemed. All of our inclinations and appetites and capacities and yearnings are purified and gathered up and glorified by Christ. He did not come to thin out the human life. He didn't come to dole out your life. He came to set it free, friends. All the dancing and feasting and processing and singing and building and sculpting and baking and merrymaking that belongs to us and that were stolen away into the service of false gods in this world are returned to us in the gospel. Isn't that beautiful? The primary victory that we have in the first arrival of Jesus as believers in Christ is that we have a spiritual victory over the enemy and a promise of life in this land of darkness and death. And when our eyes are opened to see the spiritual realities of the victory that we have in Christ, we can actually see his kingdom expanding, can't we? We can see the dominion of God expanding through our own hearts and our lives and our, and our family and our children. We can, we can see it growing when we actually are looking at the kingdom that he's already delivered us. But, but sometimes here's what happens. We get blinded by what's left undone now. We get blinded by the fact that Jesus hasn't consummated his kingdom yet. And it leads us to restlessness. It leads us to unbelief when we see all of the physically broken things around us. And it leads us to despair. But Jesus hasn't promised to deliver those things to us yet, church. He hasn't given those. He, rather, he's promised us those, but he hasn't given us those yet. 
Sometimes we see glimpses, but we don't see the fullness of it yet. The return of Jesus or the consummation of his kingdom will arrive when Jesus returns and no one knows the hour, no one knows the day. He will complete his work on this earth by physically recreating the earth that has been so damaged by sin by physically giving us new bodies that won't break down, that won't die, and it's going to be amazing. Revelation 21 says it like this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. This is the vision that John has about Jesus' return, okay? I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out from heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Emmanuel is with us. He will physically dwell with them and they will physically be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And because he's with them, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death will be no more. Neither will there be mourning or crying nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Friends, I I can't wait for Christ to return. I, I can't wait. I can't wait for all of creation to be set free from its bondage to decay. I can't wait to not have a sick wife anymore. I can't wait to not have to do funerals anymore. I can't wait to not have to experience the brokenness of this fallen world with you anymore. I can't wait. But Jesus hasn't come back yet, has he? So where does that leave us? It leaves us with the perfect presence of Jesus in an imperfect world. You see, we live in between these two advents of Jesus with expectancy about the kingdom of God spiritually breaking through into the hearts of men and women in miraculous ways, all the while watching the physical world decay all around us. That's the reality for us today. And here's the deal. Because of the hope that we have in the gospel, the scriptures say we don't have to lose heart. But if you're anything like me, sometimes I do. Sometimes I do. You know, Jesus' cousin John was just like me and you. If you have a Bible, I want you to flip it open to Luke chapter 7. We're going to look at a moment in his life. To set it up, I want to remind you of who John the baptizer was. He's a guy that we talk about often during Advent. Um, John was the last Old Testament prophet that paved the way for the world to receive Jesus, our Messiah. He baptized people in this baptism of repentance. He didn't baptize with the Spirit. Jesus baptized with the Spirit. He baptized in this baptism of repentance. And he wasn't a super popular guy because of this. In fact, his message was, every one of you has to repent or you're going to miss the kingdom. He was telling people bad news so that their hearts would be ready to receive good news, right? He told the world that if our hearts are not ready to receive Jesus, 
that we just might miss it. And the primary thing that we needed to pay attention to, according to John, was not what was going on in the world, but what was going on in our own hearts. That's what he told us to pay attention to if we're going to have the capacity to receive Jesus and see him. You see, in this day, everyone expected the Messiah um, to come with force and physical strength, but John knew that Jesus would come with a different kind of strength. He would enter into this spiritual battle for our souls before he would physically set everything right. So Jesus had to come in meekness, he had to come in humility, because he had to descend into our pain, he had to descend into our sin, he had to get down in our business in order to redeem us. And in, in, in redeeming us, he had to painfully and sacrificially bear the weight of all of the sin of all, all of God's children who would ever believe in Jesus on the cross. And it had to be this humble descent for us. And John, of all people, he's the one that leapt in the womb, right, whenever he got close to Jesus, right? He knew Jesus. He knew how this was going to go down. John, of all people, when he began to suffer, when he was in prison, he began to doubt. And there's this scene in Luke 7 that I want to read to you. It starts in verse 18. So John's in prison for his faith. He'll eventually be beheaded, we know. He's in prison. Jesus is out doing his ministry. And John starts to doubt. And here's what he says. The disciples of John reported all of these things that were happening around Jesus. And John, calling two of the disciples to him, sent them to Jesus saying, are you the one who is to come or should we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you. Your cousin has sent us to you. The one that prepared the way for you, Jesus, he sent us to you. And here's his question. Are you the one to come or should we keep on looking for another? Friends, I don't know if there is a more relatable question in all of the Bible than this one. Jesus, I believe in your kingdom. I believe in your word. But my experience in this world is telling me a different story. It doesn't seem like your kingdom is here, Jesus. Jesus, in my imprisonment, are you the one or should I keep looking, John asked. Or we might ask, Jesus, in my unending disease, in my unending sickness, are you the one or should I keep on looking? Jesus, in my relational pain, my divorce, my severed friendships, my unmet longings, are you the one or should I look for another? Jesus, in my never-ending unmet need for the approval of others, are you the one or should I keep on looking? Jesus gently responds to John's unbelief in ours, as he always does, and he says this in verse 21. In that hour, Jesus healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind, he bestowed sight, and he answered them, go, go and tell John this. <laughs> go and tell John what you have seen and heard. Go and tell John that the blind receive sight. Go and tell John that the lame walk. Go and tell John that lepers are cleansed. Go and tell John that the deaf 
here, that the dead are raised, that the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by my kingdom. What's Jesus do for John and for all those in his midst? He gives them a glimpse of what the consummated kingdom is going to be like, church. What it's going to be like when he returns. And, and we, we get to see glimpses of that consummated kingdom too, don't we? In this church, we've seen people healed. In this church, we've seen marriages restored. In this church, we've seen beautiful and miraculous things even this week. But we've also experienced the valley of the shadow of death, haven't we? Jesus says this to each of us this evening. The kingdom of God is at hand, and it's coming. And we have to live with both of those tensions in mind. Jesus is miraculously working in this world and in our lives and currently, the primary domain of his work is upon the hearts of the people of God. So tonight, do we have the capacity to receive what he's offering to us right now, not what he hoped he would offer to us right now? Are we preoccupied with the things that seem to be undone and that is disabling us for receiving what he's actually doing in our midst? We get so downtrodden, we get so anxious and depressed when we forget what Jesus promised us in between his two arrivals. And this time, Jesus hasn't promised to heal everything in this world and make it new. That's not our reality yet. No, instead, Jesus actually said this, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world, right? That's what he said would be true in between the two arrivals of Jesus. And the miraculous gift of the arrival of Jesus is that he promised to be with us to the end of the age. What age do you think that is? It's the age in between the two arrivals of Jesus. Matthew 28, 20 says, I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. That's the promise we have tonight. So yes, he's making all things new, but he's starting in your heart. The work he's doing in your heart will carry on into eternity. The body that you live in will not, but your heart will. Which one are you going to pay more attention to, church? Are you going to pay more attention to this world that's going to physically decay and continue to deteriorate? Are you going to pay more attention to the heart that he's transforming and desires to carry into eternity? You see, I think here's what it's going to require of us to receive more of him this next year. We might need to surrender a little bit more to where he has us in life, friends. We might need to be a little more okay with where Jesus actually has us, not where we hope he would have us. Because we all have unrealistic kingdom expectations in this life. And we need to lay some of those aside so that we can further enjoy what God is actually doing in our midst. See, Jesus has come to rescue us, and Jesus is rescuing us through the Spirit today, and Jesus will come to set all things right. In this Advent season, may Jesus widen your hearts to receive the gift that he's offered to us, which is the gift of himself, Emmanuel, God with us. Hey, Pastor Ryan here. We're so glad that you've tuned in with us and watched one of our online sermons. 
Our vision as a church is to live as the family of God together, proclaiming and demonstrating the gospel of grace to one another in our city. If you don't have a church home or you're looking for a church, we'd invite you to attend one of our in-person worship gatherings so you can experience all that God has for us as a community of believers on mission.